Hi, and welcome back to our podcast, Art Will Power Life. My name is Anna, and today I'm recording solo. This is going to be a minisode that comes out in addition to the regular episodes, most likely on Wednesdays, and I'll probably make it a regular thing. I'm really, really hyped about mythology, and I did some in-depth research about Germanic mythology. As you may or may not know, we're actually from Germany. And Simon and I really liked the idea of adding some cool sort of lore to the podcast. So why not start at home? Believe me, I had never heard of any of these before starting my research. And I promise I only picked out the cool stuff. Should be fun for everyone. Doesn't matter where you're from. And <laughs> let's get right into it. Speaking of starting at home. In my hometown, actually. There was once buried the corpse of a vampire. So cool. They found it in the late 80s, right in the middle of the former place of execution around here. The grave was actually perfectly centered in the middle of the place. And what's even worse is that it was pinned to a board with some very long nails, beheaded and buried with its head between its feet. And the spot where the blade must have cut off the person's head was sealed with bitumen. And even though several people suspect that the corpse was probably a child murderer and a woman, I think it's much more likely that the vampire theory is true. They're not sure about the gender of the corpse, but uh, now they suspect it was probably a pretty female man. Yeah. And, uh, oh, while I was at it, I'm a writer. My search history is suspicious anyway, so I googled... How to bury a vampire. And here's how. You decapitate it, put its head on its legs, then you use several very long nails or spikes, probably made from some uh, kind of metal. And some say that silver, because it's very pure, can hurt vampires who are considered impure. I think that's very biased. Uh, mirrors used to be made of silver, so that's where the no reflection thing comes from. <laughs> Anyway, you use those spikes or nails to pin it to its coffin or whatever you want to use. And if you're in Italy, you put a brick in its mouth as a form of exorcism. So except for the brick thing, which is fine because I don't live in Italy, it matched a typical vampire burial. And uh, interestingly enough, I found some other cool fun facts about vampires uh, while doing that research. It's perfect for you non-believers out there. It's possible that because in darker times people had no understanding of how diseases such as tuberculosis worked, they might have mistaken the resulting paleness, weight loss and apparent state of wasting away for the much more plausible explanation that there was a vampire living amongst them. And once in the grave a body starts to decay, which leads the initial stiffness to disappear and the limbs to become more flexible again. Bendy. Of course, the insides also decay and is extract like a dark fluid that could be mistaken for fresh blood. And that's where the thing about the living dead comes from. 
and of course from the fact that people were frequently buried alive and did actually rise from their graves. <laughs> That's why they started the bell thing that they um, put on a string and tied to the corpse's toe, I think it was. And on that uplifting note, let's start with my actual research about Germanic folklore. I'll do this mostly alphabetically. The first one is a washer from the Swiss Alps, and there they call it Abwaschel. In the Swiss Alps, there are herds of animals up on the fields in the summers. And once the animals are brought away for the winter, this poltergeist possesses these areas and washes all the utensils that are left behind. Pretty useful, right? <laughs> well, there's always a downside. He's incredibly loud, so everyone who hears him usually flees immediately. He also sometimes shows up to reprimand cowherds that go dancing or meet their boyfriends without their master's permission. He can get really angry and break dishes if that happens. And I'm sorry to admit, when I read uh, cowherds, I thought it was like herds of cows, but it's actually the people who herded cows. Yeah, <laughs> took me longer than I would like to admit to get that. Okay, and now the accursed huntsman. That's a fate that befalls a sinner after their death. It was first reported in the 1400s, where Count Eberhard from Württemberg was out hunting in the forest when he heard some weird noises and saw a creepy creature appear that was apparently following a stag. He obviously didn't know what to do, but in the end ducked behind a bush and for what ever reason decided to talk to the thing. He asked the creature if it meant him any harm, to which it responded, No, I am a man like you. Once I was a lord who had a passion for hunting, and I asked God to allow me to keep hunting until judgment day. To my misfortune my wish was granted, and it is now five hundred years that I have been pursuing the single stag. And when Eberhard asked to see its face, he saw a man's face that was shrunken and dry as a prune. Then the creature rode off to continue hunting its stag. There are actually other stories about the huntsman where he's punished for hunting on a Sunday, destroying crops, or killing a deer in a church. Who would do that? But hey, it is said that he is punished for maniacally hunting and therefore condemned to hunt forever without a break. Nice. Okay, next one. Ah, this one's cool. It's a dragon. It's called Alf, or sometimes a red jacket, which is an East Prussian drac. They, they call it drac. And it was said that when a person became suddenly very rich, that they probably owned one of those Alfs. The dragon takes the form of a half-starved bird, and allows himself to be carried inside by his owner, who he will serve for the rest of his life. The elf stays in houses as a pet, usually some kind of bird, but also sometimes a large black cat or calf, at night changing into a flying broom that's on fire and flying through the night. And no, he's not riding the broom. He becomes the broom. Yeah. He normally lives in the attic, sometimes in other very specific places in or around a house, and can only be seen by his owner. He might demand his own room with a black carpet, where again only the owner is allowed inside to feed him milk, prunes, 
scrambled eggs or birch flower porridge. Honestly, that sounds like diarrhea waiting to happen. Uh, the elf helps people in his house by doing work or giving them wealth. Sometimes both at the same time. He also brings good fortune in whatever produce the household brings forth. Like making the animals give more milk or making the butter exceptionally good. Which sounds pretty useful. <sighs> but this next thing, some even say that he shits gold. Yes, it said that. That is a direct quote. <laughs> he steals from others for his owner's benefit. And when he flies through the air and is red, he brings money. When he's blue, he carries grain. And if someone sees him and calls out while he's in the air, he drops his cargo but also makes lice rain on them. So, better duck if that's you. <laughs> Whenever he's mad at his owner, though, because maybe he's not treated or fed well enough, he will cause enough harm to take away everything good he has done up to that point and then set fire to the house. He'll do that anyway if he's fed some kind of stuff. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, don't feed your dragon a certain stuff. That's something to live by. Uh, if all is well, though, and the owner dies for some reason, the dragon will move to his relatives and take care of them instead. Okay, and the next one is almost the same name, but this one is Alp. That's A-L-P. And that's actually the first syllable of the German word Albtraum, translated to nightmare. First, it was an elf, which was demonized and became associated with the nightmare. The Alp has been seen as an incubus, a demon, a dwarf, a ghost, the spirit of someone who died prematurely, and the alter ego of a witch or lover. I don't know what that means, but sure. It can take the shape of any animal, usually a furry one with flaming eyes. People who were born with teeth? On a Sunday, between midnight and one in the morning, beneath an evil star, or three days before the feast of St. Gal on 16th October, could become an alp. <laughs> and this one's cool. If there are seven boys in the same family, one will become a werewolf. If there are seven girls, one will be an alp. I actually wonder if seven non-binary kids make a giraffe or something. And what if the werewolf transitions? I have so many questions. Anyway, the alp sits on your chest while you're sleeping and crushes, chokes, stamps and pushes down on you. It can enter your room through any opening, even as small as a keyhole. You can hear it coming because it makes noises like ringing, tinkling or chewing. But you can't do anything really because its breath induces sleep. Wouldn't like to meet that one. Sometimes it sucks on the chest of sleeping people, so it could also be a vampire. Gets better and better. It travels by whirlwind and is blamed for sending illnesses and giving horses elf locks, meaning it tangles their manes. Alright, the next one. That one's pretty cool. I actually found a picture of that one that I will upload on our Instagram. This one is the Huckup or Aufhocker, that literally translates to the one who sits on something. <laughs> Imagine you're walking alone at night, minding your own business, when you come across a place 
That could be a bridge, crossroad, the woods, or a cemetery. <laughs> Why you do that, I don't know. Suddenly, some type of entity, usually a dead man, hurls itself on your shoulders. <laughs> well, get hacked. <laughs> Sorry. It gets heavier the longer it's latched on and it might be a materialization of night terrors. There's even a monument in Hildesheim, Germany, depicting an apple thief with a hack-up on his back. Sometimes the hack-up is described as the German equivalent of a werewolf or a wolf in short pants. Yes. Or trousers, if you like. Next one. Bergmännchen, which translates to little mountain man. And the man is little, not the mountain, just to be clear. He lives in mines and looks pretty human-like, but sometimes appears in animal form, such as a horse, a fly, or a hornet, as well as a blackbird. And shame on me, I didn't know what a blackbird was, so I googled it. And, who would have thunk, it looks like a blackbird. It has a bright orange beak and is actually a symbol of death, change, magic, and mystery. Okay, back to the little man. Apparently, in the 18th century, two officials were sent to visit some mines, and when they came back to report what they had seen, they said there were villages, streams, and a road down in the mines. They met a small hunchbacked dwarf, sporting a long grey beard, of course carrying a staff and a lantern, like he should, as a true dwarf. He told them that they should leave, because they were pretty close to a hometown of underground people, who are completely different to anyone on the surface. Honestly, he sounds really cool. I would like to meet him. But not get too close to his home, of course, because that's rude. Ah, the next one. You might actually know them from various MMOs, maybe even tabletop. But I thought it was cool to learn where they come from. Berserkers. And that's without the third E. They're also called bearskin, actually. They are Odin's warriors. You know, the god of war and battle and victory and many other things. And berserkir, with an I instead of the third E, yep, that's the plural, are famous for their fury in battle. They went to battle without any armor and acted like wild animals. They killed people and were unaffected by fire or iron. They even bit their own shields. They attached themselves to royals and acted as their bodyguards. That's pretty badass. And they are sometimes called wolf coats. And they contribute to the development of the werewolf legend because they wore animal skins. They just looked like them, you know, and were pretty much invincible. And here we go from warriors to witches. Let's hear it for the Blocksberg, a mountain in Germany that is now called Brocken. And that basically translates to Chunk, a very clever name. It's the gathering place for witches and spirits who travel there on several days a year, including St. John's Day on 24th June where the night before starts the Night of the Witches. And in Rome, before the 19th century, witches were summoned by the ghosts responsible for beheading St. John, you know, the one whose day it is, 
and then the witches went around the city capturing souls. All kinds of magical rituals and exorcisms were performed that night. They lit bonfires to drive away evil spirits, they prayed and they ate snails as a metaphor for defeating adversity. Sadly, by now the legend has become forgotten. But modern witches have adopted the day as midsummer and use it as a chance to play homage to the elements and cleanse their souls to basically reset and become their best selves. I love that stuff, man. And uh, <laughs> from wholesome witch things, right back to horror. Let's talk about the boogeyman. The definition for the word is a nightmarish creature that frightens children. And there are many forms of boogeyman in Europe and not only one way to describe him. For one, there's the rye wolf or grain wolf, who's a field spirit that looks like a wolf and abducts children to eat them. Another one, also called something with rye, it's not really, I, I can't translate it and I cannot pronounce it in whatever language it's from. That one has iron nipples and was used as a threat to children so they don't eat from the parents' fields. <laughs> That's great parenting. Nice. And then there's the Klaubauf. That translates to pick up or, you know, person who picks up. I don't know. And he accompanied Santa and is basically the former name for Krampus. If you've seen that movie... <laughs> I hope you know him. Uh, we'll get to that later though, uh, because I'm pretty sure I've seen something about the Krampus in my research. So you get it, Boogeyman is just an umbrella term for mostly androgynous nightmares. Yay! And finally, the brownie. Nothing delicious, unless you enjoy eating domestic spirits. You do you. It can usually be found in England and Ireland and comes out at night to help with household things. People used to say that every good household had a brownie. If you give it a green garment, it will vanish. It also likes to be fed like the house dragon chicken thing. And they're pretty petty when they're angry and will pull pranks or even turn full evil. Yeah, didn't find much more on that. Sadly, because it sounded really interesting. But... That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed it. And now, please give me that green comment and let me fly into the night. Bye bye.